This week, to honor the beginning of Ramadan, we bring you a bonus episode with moments from the United States and around the world. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. The call to prayer will be broadcast five times a day, and life kind of structures its way around that. During my time in Bangladesh, I was very, very lucky because the the summer period for CLS just so happened to be capturing the entire holy month of Ramadan. That month, Ramadan was everything. This week, choosing to fast, fasting during daylight savings time, and getting up at 3 a.m. to start the day with some coffee. Join us on journeys to the United States from Ghana, Yemen, Jordan, and Bangladesh, and journeys from the United States to Bangladesh and Jordan, all in honor of Ramadan. It's 22.33. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. Of course, we studied. We had the option to fast, to observe. I did. It was something. It was hard. Um, I give tremendous credit to the Bengalis and everyone around the world that does that, especially just because the, the demands of life don't stop, but they muscle through. And the reward comes, of course, as day breaks, and that's when everybody feasts. It's called iftar. The food is wonderful, not just because you're starving, but also because there's a lot of effort put into it. And it's also very communal. So iftar parties, almost every single day, you're going to one. Even out on the street, you're going to one. It's very inviting, uh, especially for foreigners, too. They, they want to soak you into the culture and to involve you. I found people who were more respectful of my culture and my religion, even than some of the people I shared the same culture and religion with. So for example, my roommates would be so silent and during when I'm praying that I would remember my friends um, asking me back home to speed up my prayer when they have to do something. And the, the sheer respect that they have for people or um, and the acceptance that they uh, showed me. And um, I had Christian friends cooking halal food for me just because I was complaining so much about the food. Um, and those are some things that I always have with me. Being here in the U.S. Uh, now and working uh, working here in the U.S. Uh, for a while, I, I love the like the way that people uh, ask me about Ramadan. And all, always like have questions and I always answer. I have actually friends here uh, from um, from America. They always wait for Ramadan so I can take them uh, with me uh, to the mosque and actually to have uh, like our uh, our breaking uh, like our our, our food uh, after breaking our fast. Ramadan it, it is part of our culture as well. 
kids wait for Ramadan. They always wait for, uh, they wait for Ramadan, then they suffer <laughs> after fasting for a little bit. And then by the end of Ramadan, they wait for the Eid, which is the celebration of uh, finishing the, the fasting period, which is 30 days. We usually fast from the sunrise to the sunset. It's very long here in the U.S. compared to Yemen. We, in Yemen, we fast only from uh, like 5 a.m. until uh, 5 or, or 6. Here in the U.S., we, uh, we fast from, uh, I think sometimes from 4, 4.30 a.m. until 8 uh, or 8.30. When I was in Michigan, I, I fasted um, until 9, 9.10. Yeah, it, it's very, very long. A lot of people here uh, think about it uh, as a hard thing and very like very difficult to do it. We get used to it. As I am from Yemen, it's hard for me to, uh, to start my day without a coffee, as I mentioned. And in Ramadan, it gets even worse. I, I have I had to wake up like at four or or three a.m. to 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 um, to have my coffee and then fast with no problems. <laughs> I would love to uh, to try uh, their fasting. I, I myself like um, went with a friend one time to to the church, like several times actually, to just to engage and see uh, how people uh, worship. It is actually um, the, the the more that you uh, engage with them, you see how similar than different we are. We're very similar than different. Many many Americans actually think about it the same way. I have uh, when I was studying in Michigan. I, I have friends who give up uh, their meal, and, uh, like they don't eat in front of me just because I'm fasting. So they know that it's Ramadan. I, t- I don't tell them it's Ramadan. They actually know my culture. And I found it something very, uh, very nice, for, like from a different culture that they're just learning about people around them. I, this is one of the things that I, um, that, that I learned a lot here in, in, in America. Uh, America is, is multicultural has people from different cultures and everyone respects uh, each each other ca- culture it wasn't difficult actually they would respect that I'm fasting uh, so Ramadan came in like long way into the the exchange year so everybody knew about uh, me and about and i was informing them about ramadan and all of that uh, i might not be that that much of a religious person but i used to fast uh, regularly back then uh, maybe not a lot right now but they would respect that they they would respect that they they would not eat in front of me we used to have these gatherings at lunch with all of my all the friends and if everybody's is coming to school and everybody's there, they will just sit down and eat together. So during those gatherings, what I would do usually is tell them, go ahead, guys, I can deal with it. Well, this is like it's food. I would starve, but I would deal with it. I would not show them that. It was a weird, weird experience to them because a couple of them fasted with me for a couple of days. One of our friends, uh, Devani, she fasted like till 12 something like that and she was supposed to go all the way till seven eight 
but she was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna drink water." I'm like, "Okay, drink water. Just don't eat." So she kept her promise. She did not eat uh, until like seven, eight. We had like a get together and we ate together. Uh, I cooked that day, and thank God I I cooked it like right because I would have starved. Everybody was waiting for my cooking. Yeah. So uh, th- that was that was uh, an experience, like a good experience. So the first three weeks while we were in Ramadan, we were with my peers, and I distinctly remember the first time we had gone out to eat, and I was famished and thirsty, and I sat down at the table and I reached for a cup of juice, and then one of my peers had said, "No, Minu, you can't do that." And at first I was like, "Wait, why?" And I, I was about to drink it, and then I remembered, "Oh, <laughs> Ramadan," and so it was like little moments like that where I had to remember. But actually, in Jordan. It's illegal to drink water or eat in public before the final call to prayer in the evening. Um, so we would—I remember like surreptitiously going to the bathroom and taking little quick swigs of water. And there's some more uh, international cafes that do remain open, and they have these big covers on the walls so people can't see what's going on inside. actually came during the time of Ramadan. It was difficult because in Ghana, uh, okay, Ramadan, we fast from dawn to sunset. And uh, normally it should take about just 12 hours. It, the sun was not setting that fast that I was expecting. So you see, you have to endure more to take your fasting up to, let's say, 14 or 15 hours. And my host parents understood that I had to fast. And Americans normally, in, in my host family that time, Waking up that time was more or less, maybe if I was not careful, I would be disturbing the other family members because it's not time to wake up. But for me, I had to wake up to, you know, take my sohor, that is the, the morning food that we take at dawn, to begin the fast. So, yeah, I was quite careful around those times because if I woke up and I made some noise, I would disturb my other uh, family members, my whose family. And then when the sun was supposed to set at the time I expected, it didn't. Because I know that I fasted around 24, I mean, sorry, 12 hours. But in the U.S., in Austin, the sun, <laughs> it was about, normally in Ghana, if it's around 6, I should expect to be breaking my fast. But it got around 8. And the sun was like, it didn't, sh- it didn't show any sign of even going down. So I was basically pissed with the sun sometimes because it had to go down for me to break my fast. So... I think these were some of the challenges and then uh, experiences that I had from that. Twenty two thirty three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty two thirty three is named for Title twenty two, Chapter thirty three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. 
and our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, we heard from Americans Colin Walsh, a critical language scholarship participant in Bangladesh, and Minu Bushanan, a national security language initiative for youth participant in Jordan, as well as four foreign visitors, Prama Pratim from Bangladesh, here on a study of the U.S. Institutes for Student Leaders program, Ahmed Alfotihi from Yemen, who learned English through the Access Micro Scholarship Program and came here on the U.S. Middle East Partnership Initiative, Ali Makale from Jordan as part of the Youth Exchange and Study or YES program, and Anusa Akansoke Al-Hassan from Ghana, another YES participant. For more about ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. Leave us a nice review while you're at it. And we'd love to hear from you. You can give us your feedback at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos and a transcript of each week's episode can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. Special thanks to Colin, Prama, Ahmed, Ali, Minu, and Anusa. The interviews were variously conducted by Mary Kay Hazel, Ana Maria Sinatine, and me, and I edited this bonus episode. Featured music was Bamba G by Yasufa Sidibe. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. <laughs>